said uh, as we came in, we're, we're thinking about something a little bit different tonight. We are uh, going to be thinking about how the gospel goes uh, and speaks to other cultures, and Sabina is going to come and uh, help us in a few moments to do that. Uh, to help us uh, as well, we've got a question and answer session uh, over food in the back. Food is going to be uh, of an Indian variety tonight. Um, so uh, something else from a different culture. Uh, and there'll be a chance to ask uh, Sabina and a few others uh, some questions. Uh, so during her, uh, as she's speaking, there'll be a text uh, number appear on the screens um, that you'll be able to, uh, to use um, to uh, send in um, questions, uh, or there's a box out the back. But why are we doing this? I mean, we've been working through the book of Acts, if you've been with us, uh, over this term. Uh, and if you think about the last three weeks... Uh, if you've been with us, what have we seen? We've seen an Ethiopian eunuch converted. We've seen Saul, who was a massively opposed Jew, converted. Uh, and we've seen uh, Cornelius, a Gentile, included and converted. People from very different cultures. And yet the gospel speaks to all of them. God's in charge of the spread of the gospel. We've seen God's amazing grace, and we show that God doesn't show favoritism. Uh, and, and that gospel going out is, is amazing. It's miraculous. God does all the work. And we see unexpected people uh, believe then, uh, and still happens now. But the other thing that we have seen is that God uses people like us to do that. Uh, and as God still works, we are his witnesses. Uh, as he is still building his kingdom. And that's all of us here, uh, to anyone uh, who is willing to listen. And that's why we're thinking tonight about how we speak, how we maybe adapt our message to our different audience, um, and how we can be effective in clearly explaining the gospel. Because if we don't do that, then there's no... Uh, that's the, the, the best way that someone's got the chance to hear about the Lord Jesus and respond uh, and receive the joy that comes with it. Uh, and as I said, Saul was one of the examples. Uh, and Saul, later Paul, um, is a great example of how he does this. And so our reading is from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you turn in your Bibles, it's page 1151 in the Red Bibles. There are Bibles uh, in other languages and versions um, that are available um, at the back, and we've got the page numbers for those on the screens. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19-23, which is one of Paul's examples uh, of how he adapts what he does and what he says uh, so that people have the opportunity to, uh, to hear of the Lord Jesus. So page 1151 in the Red Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll start at verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, before Sabina uh, comes to speak to us, uh, we're going to remind ourselves again of the gospel that is found only in the Lord Jesus. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. spreading out a bit more. What a wonderful, wonderful song we've just been singing, isn't it? We, we sang the gospel. In all the songs chosen tonight, we've, we've had the gospel. Gospel, we on the good news of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking when we were singing, when I stand in glory and we'll see him face to face and we'll serve our king forever in, in that wonderful place. I was thinking of this wonderful father heart of God for all nations. Not for one nation, but for all nations. He has no favorites. And the gospel, this good news, is, is for all the nations God has created. And you know, I was thinking of the 18,000 plus international students we have in Manchester and Salford, and, and how I long for them to be able to sing this, the good news of Jesus, to know this good news, to, to live this good news, and to, to worship together with us this good news. Do you not long for the same? Yes, I see people nodding. This wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, we have 18,000 plus international students in Manchester. And that's just the students. We have so many internationals who, who live and work. Well, I'm one of them, but I know the Lord already. Thank God. But so here is this. We've had this wonderful, wonderful book of Acts. And we've been going through it week by week, seeing how the Lord has been working amongst the people of one nation, but also of many different nations. So the question is, um, how do we present the gospel? How do we present the gospel to pe people from other nations? Does it matter? Does it actually matter how we present it? Well, the gospel is the gospel, you might say. We just have to give it to them. Does it, does it matter how we present it to other nations? Well, in Acts 16.30, the Philippian jailer, facing a crisis, asks Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? How would you have answered that question? How would you have presented the gospel to the jailer? And is there only one way to present the gospel, or are there many different ways we can do this? Well, you might wonder now, what does the car have to do with it? Do you like the car? Yeah. <laughs> So let's say, let's just say we have a car that we want to give to a friend. But our friend is reluctant to take our car because they are skeptical that it's what they need. How would we promote the car to our friend? So if our friend was an engineer, we would tell them about the engine specifications. And I looked this up. The cubic inch capacity, the number of cylinders, and the double overhead camshaft, whatever that means. But the engineers would most probably really understand this. So if our friend was an architect, we would emphasize the form and the beauty of the car, 
and perhaps make them aware of the teardrop aerodynamic shape. If our friend was a racing driver, a race car driver, we would tell them about the car's performance, the quarter mile time. If our friend was a nurse, we might tell them about the safety features of the car. And if our friend was a college student, we might emphasize the car's economy. It's the same car, isn't it? It's the same car, but we have different ways of promoting it to people. We're not being deceitful, but we're emphasizing some aspect of the car so that our friends will be able to understand that aspect immediately. Now, my friends, this is also true when we present the gospel. It's the same story. There is only one gospel. I'm not coming tonight to tell you a different gospel. There's only one gospel. It's the same story, God's story, true for all people at all times and in all places. But the Bible gives us different ways of explaining it to different audiences and different people from different cultural backgrounds. So thinking about cultural backgrounds, I'd like you to just discuss in small groups, just for a, a moment or two, what is culture? Yeah, Let's just go right back to that. What is culture? It's just perhaps one or two minutes with the people next to you, twos and threes or fours, what is culture? Okay, so maybe culture is different food. Culture is having different architecture. Perhaps it's different ways of greeting each other or having different kinds of festivals. Let's have a look. What is culture? What, culture is what is normal for a people group. Culture constitutes the way of life for an entire society. It includes manners, dress, language, and rituals. Culture is the outward expression of an inward set of assumptions and beliefs, which we call worldviews. I'm not going to give you a sermon tonight. I want you to do the work. I'd like you now to 
do this again in twos, threes, fours. And if you don't feel so comfortable, please just listen in into what other people are saying. I'd like you to discuss not only what is culture, but what is the gospel. What are the essential elements of the gospel message? I'd like you to share that with each other. What are the essential elements of the gospel message? Again, one or two minutes. Okay, let's come back together again. So I'm going to give you some words now. And if you've used that word or that concept when talking about what the gospel is, I'd like you to put up your hand, please. So, law. Oh, we've got a hand up there. So you've used the word law to talk about the gospel. Okay. What's next? Guilt. <laughs> I need to do it without glasses. <laughs> guilt. Has anyone used the word guilt? Yeah? A few people have used the word guilt. We are guilty because we have sinned, so we're guilty before this holy and righteous God. Okay. Better leave the glasses off. Oops. Punishment. Because we're guilty, we need to be punished. Yeah? Okay. Sacrifice. Oh, yes, we're having more, more words. Yes, sacrifice, yes. Okay, so what would you say with sacrifice? Anyone? How would you use that for the gospel? Anyone up here in the front? How did you use sacrifice? <laughs> Amelia, I'm going to choose you now. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. Okay, Jesus became the sacrifice for our sins. So we, de we deserved the punishment for our, for our being sinful, for, for our guilt, and Jesus became the sacrifice. Okay. Forgiveness. 
Anyone? Oh, good. I'm glad some people are putting up their hands. We can have forgiveness because of Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross. Father. Did anyone use the word father? Okay. Harmony. The harmony was broken when people offended God. And Jesus has come to restore the harmony between us and God. Is that the gospel? Yep. Honor. Anyone? We have, with, we have lost a place of honor because we, we put shame on ourselves. So we've, we've got shame instead of honor. And Jesus has come to restore us to a place of honor. Shame. We have put shame on guilt and shame on ourselves. Face. We have lost face. Bondage, warfare. No, we're in bondage. There is a spiritual warfare going on. and We are, we are in bondage to sin. Power. Jesus has the power to set us free from this. One more. Miracles. Jesus performs miracles. Deliverance. We're delivered from our, our, our bondage. Oops. So these words, I would say to you that even if you haven't used them, the concept of those is they are all in the Bible and they are all parts of the gospel, part of the good news. Um, and that I would say to you that there are three types of worldviews. There is the, the courtroom scene, and you will most probably recognize that um, from, from, from your own backgrounds, and that's called the guilt-innocence worldview, uh, which we have in Europe, and that's where we would use the word sacrifice, forgiveness, guilt, punishment, and law. Then there's the shame-honor Worldview, which is in the Middle East, South America, Middle East, and uh, Asia, where we would think much more of the community aspects of being in God's family. So there's the shame, there's God as the Father, there's harmony or disharmony, the harmony has been broken, there's the honor, do we honor our Heavenly Father, and there's face, losing face. And then there's the, the third worldview, which is, it's, has the word combat. It's the fear power worldview, which is mostly in Africa. There's warfare, power, miracles, bondage, deliverance. So all these different things, as we said, these words, they, they are in the, actually in the Bible and in the different Bible stories as well. But um, each Coming from different worldviews, we link better to a certain type of um, thinking. So, uh, and I'm not saying that we should only use one way, but coming from a certain background, one thing will connect, one will connect better with us. And we would say that Europeans will connect mainly with the guilt-innocence culture. 
um, of, of the Bible. And, and East Asians were with shame, honor, and Africans have a lot of fear power uh, in, in their worldview. And um, the Bible has all of it, and of course we, use, we have to learn all of this to see the, the beauty and the, the majesty of, of the gospel and, and of who God is. But people, please remember that people come from different worldviews. We do not give the gospel to someone from a different worldview in, in a very English way. Okay, so I always say, let's not make people English Christians. In a way, we can't make them Christians anywhere. I know it's the Holy Spirit doing it, but let's not come from our worldview and make them try and make them into how we have become Christians. It will not connect in the same way as if we start with something else. And I remember I, I was an evangelist for a long time and didn't realize this to my big shame. And then when we came to Manchester 11 years ago, um, people who are working amongst Chinese uh, said to me, use a different language when you're doing your Bible studies. And so I did. In, the, in my Bible studies, I had mainly Chinese students at the time and academic visitors. Instead of uh, using the guilt-innocent language, I, said, I, I, I tried to say, something about honor and shame. And when I talked about um, Genesis, what happened in, in, in chapter 1 to 3, I started saying uh, something about um, uh, people breaking, breaking the harmony by offending God, by turning away from him, by putting shame on themselves. And suddenly people started nodding, really nodding. Big, and I thought, oh, there's something to this. This is connecting. These words are connecting with their worldview. And, it's, and, and since then, I've been trying to use this more and more. It doesn't come natural when you come from a certain worldview. But let's, let's try, and we're going to try this again in a minute, and I want you to try and <laughs> speak to, as if you're speaking to someone from a different worldview, because it's very good to, to practice this. So let's just have a look at this. So there's the 3D plan of salvation, yeah? And it's all in the Bible, as I said to you. So there's God's intention, the human problem, the solution of Jesus, and our response for salvation. So in the guilt-innocence culture, which some of us will recognize, God loves you and offers you a wonderful plan for your life. People are sinful and condemned by God. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice um, for sins, and you must receive Jesus as your personal savior, right? Does that ring a bell with, with some people? And then there's in the shame-honor worldview, it, God's intention is that God values you and wants to honor you as his child. And I love it, the, the, the gospel, uh, sorry, the story of the prodigal son, where we can see so clearly, you know, someone turns away from God, puts shame on himself, and, and reaches rock bottom. And then when he returns to his father, do you remember, he puts on his best, gets the best robe, ring on the finger, sandals on his feet, and, and the, the um, um, party they have with the best, best meat. And that's where, where the, the father restores the son into a place of honor in his family. And that really resonates with shame, honor culture. 
So God values you and wants to honor you as his child. People are shameful and dishonor God, but Jesus bore all your shame. He took all our shame on himself on the cross, and he restores our honor so that we can be back with the Father, in the family of the Father, as honored as his children. You must give allegiance to Jesus to enter God's family. It's this community aspect which is so really important. Fear power worldview. God's intention is God is sovereign, offers you spiritual authority. People fearfully live under the authority of Satan. Jesus is the warrior who restores our power. You must know Jesus to access divine power. Now, can you recognize all these things from the Bible? Yeah, they are all the gospel. It's the 3D plan of salvation because it's, it's, it's for all cultures and all backgrounds. So what I'd like you to do now, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to go back to those words, and I'd like you to take a couple of minutes for someone in your little group to be brave enough to share the, to, to share the gospel into a different worldview. If you've had the guilt, innocence words, perhaps you want to try the shame culture words or, or the fear culture words. So I'd like you to try that. See how you get on. Two minutes. Okay, I'm, I'm swiftly running out of time here. So how did you find that? Was that strange for you? Yeah, yes, maybe. I want to challenge you to do that more often. Just if you're in your own room, just talk to yourself as if you're talking to someone else. Or if you have actually have a friend from a different cultural background, Practice sharing the gospel in that way. It really makes a big difference. 
So let me just quickly, unfortunately we have to zoom through this, but we have afterwards Q&A time. So if there are things I'm not touching, please then afterwards we can discuss this a bit more. So there's, there, just quickly to say that I'm not making this all up. There are examples of cross-cultural evangelism in the New Testament. There are things in the Old Testament too, but I'm focusing on the New Testament. So the different books in the Bible use different ways of presenting the gospel for its different audiences. And we can see it with many examples. In, in Acts, Luke's summary of the gospel is found in Peter's speech to the crowd on the day of Pentecost. And there he is speaking to the Jews. Jesus is the exalted Messiah, the one they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. So he's speaking into that situation. The blessings are forgiveness of sins, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and membership in the new people of God. And the right response is to repent, to be baptized. In the rest of the book of Acts, Luke shows how the apostles present the gospel differently to their different audiences. So, again, to the Jewish audiences, they present Jesus as the Messiah. They emphasize Jesus' titles, Son, Messiah, Savior. Those are titles of Jesus. And they, they show that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, and they use Scripture as the starting point for the conversation, as it gives them a, a common ground with their audience. Now, it's really, really important to find common grounds. And to the Gentile, the non-Jewish audiences, they use a different approach. The apostles present Jesus as the one they have been always been seeking all along. Here, the apostles look for common ground in, for example, uh, God's common grace, which is like sending rain, making crops grow, providing food. So they want to show people that this is God's common grace for everyone. And they also look for God's um, 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 common ground in his general revelations, like his creation, and the universal human desire to worship a God. And they also quote, not scripture, like they would to, towards the Jews, but references from their audiences, cultural, cultural authors, as, and they use these as starting points for the conversation. So if we look at Acts 17, which we haven't got time to really, but here Paul visits Athens, and the narrative clearly shows Paul's engagement and understanding of the actual culture there. He quotes Epicurean and Stoic philosophers and poets, and then intentionally builds a bridge to the gospel. So he's using that, what, what comes from them, from their background, something they will understand. If he came with the Messiah saying, Jesus is the Messiah, you need to all worship and follow him, they'd have no idea who's the Messiah. But coming from their own cultural background, he's intentionally looking for bridges so that he can come and proclaim the gospel. And that's, my friends, that's what we need to do with our friends who we meet so another point which is important, very quickly, the gospel needs to be seen. Chinese cultural context puts a stress on honor, harmony, and relationships, precepts which are at the core of traditional Chinese cultural values. Harmonious relationships have more to do with people than with ideas. 
To think, and this is really important for us, to think of the gospel as a rational argument presented in terms of linear logic and proclamation, which is actually the Western traditional approach to evangelism, is to miss a really important point when it comes to cultures in Asia, where people actually put stress on relationships and are concerned about the human messenger as well as the message. Now, what does that mean? And this is so important. The Christ-like character of the bearer of the gospel, the messenger, and loving relationships among believers are as important as the life-changing reality of the gospel and are often a more powerful expression of Christianity. And it would fit in with saying, don't tell us the gospel, but show us the gospel. Now, I, I know a little bit what that means. When I worked in the East End as evangelist, people used to tell me, and I, I worked with 600 Flatter State, and our um, little mission church center was right in the middle. People used to tell me afterwards, when I walked along, with whom I walked along the road, at, yeah, at what time, with whom, and even what kind of clothes I was wearing. So they were watching me. They were watching every bit of my life to see if it was authentic. Another thing, Chinese academic visitors, um, and Graham will testify to that, when they've come to our home for Bible studies, they used to say, when they left to go back to China, they used to say, well, thank you very much. We really enjoyed the Bible studies. But what really has spoken to them about Christianity, how we behaved as a married couple, or how we as Christians behave with our families, or how we as Christians behave with our friends, and how we behave towards each other. When the messenger is trustworthy and reliable, people are likely to listen to the message of the messenger. An authentic lifestyle, when joined to a culturally appropriate method of proclaiming the gospel, will definitely help. Warren Beatty says, The best place where those who are not members of the Christian community can see the authenticity of Christian life is in Christian homes, not in the church building on Sunday. That's another little point. To host in homes is the best place to show the Christian lifestyle. Of course, that's challenging for us as Christians, isn't it? We, we can't hide. We can't save face. They will get to know us, how we really are. But people are watching us to see if what we share is really what works. Does it work? Is Christianity the thing which will work for their lives? And that's what they will see and they will look for. So putting the gospel in context, contextualization is consistent with the call of Christians to be a light in the world. I'm finishing with this. The church is called to love those who are living different stories. The church is also called to persuade those who are living different stories of the truthfulness of the gospel. To pursue this calling, our message must be understandable and seen to work. Is this all just made up? Is just all some wishful thinking? Well, Revelation chapter 7 talks about people from all cultures, all backgrounds, 
all language groups, all races will be standing before the throne of God and will be worshipping the Lamb. My brothers and sisters, let us take part in this. We know we are going to stand before the throne of God. Let us proclaim the gospel in culturally appropriate ways in which can be seen to be true to people from all nations who become our friends here in Manchester.